Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Inside the Circle, your weekly dose of high school softball in Connecticut. I am your host, Sean Patrick Bowley, and if I sound rushed and I sound hairy, it's because it's a really busy time of the year. <laughs> it's uh, conference championship season. It, it's This is the week. This is the, the postseason has arrived. And uh, we're all running around trying to figure out how to get everything covered, and it, it's just uh, it, it's, it's excited. I'm going to SEC softball tonight, the semifinals. By the time you're hearing this, it might be even over. Everything goes so fast. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm joined by Ryan Lacey, Mr. Softball for Game Time CT and the Hearst Connecticut Media Group. How you doing, Ryan? Great, Sean. How are you hanging in over there? <laughs> I'm great. Brian's once again doing a remote, so uh, we're I'm, well. I'm sitting here in studio. Joining us a little later on the show is going to be our guest this week, NFA coach Brian Burdick, whose whose team will start the ECCs, which begin tomorrow, the day after this. So tomorrow would be two. Uh, let's see, today's Tuesday, May 21st. So tomorrow is Wednesday. May 22nd. The ECCs get underway. The FCX are already in semifinals. They got pushed. That well, one of the games got pushed to uh, to today, Tuesday. That would have been the uh, which game was that? War? Uh, yeah, Trumbull and Ward Trum- got moved to today. St. Joseph's already in the final, waiting for him. Yeah, and when by all you know, account, I mean Ward could do something. We'll see. Um, but uh, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for that St. Joseph versus Trumbull showdown in the final. Uh, maybe Ward can muck up uh, muck up the works. If uh, you want to know the answer, look on GameTimeCT.com. If this is on a t- if this is on Wednesday night, uh, we got Cheshire and Amity in one SEC semifinal, and in the other SEC semifinal, we have Law versus North Haven. Lauren Card pitched a perfect game uh, yesterday to get the the defending champs back into the semifinals. Yeah, like you said, it's just the crazy time year when all these terms are going on at the same time i don't know if it's worse this year because they've had to be rescheduled you know all in the last few days you know we thought we were past that but the lingering rain even yesterday you know some some teams decided to you know just try to fight through the weather like all four swc softball uh, quarterfinals i know you know got in yesterday but they affected some of the games cheshire beat hand two nothing yesterday but that was only a five inning game which you really don't like to see you know to end a conference season like that you know especially obviously if your hand you know you don't know how the rest of the game's going to play out. It's kind of a frustrating way to lose, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we had some people going, "Huh, that's interesting." I was uh, I was a little taken uh, back by it, but hey, you know what? This time of year when you're trying to squeeze in conference uh, tournaments uh, with the rain and the weather, especially this season when there's been so much rain, I don't have a huge problem with it. I mean, you got to get these games in somehow. I mean, maybe maybe you even shorten it up i i don't really know the answer it's always going to rain this time of year it's really really tough i mean even amity and west haven that only went six right. i mean amity was up four one and then they decided there once the rains came down and, and and flooded the field they went indoors to do their handshake line i guess that's where they were waiting i saw that picture that amity put out yeah on Twitter. cool picture that yeah you know sportsmanship it not even rain can, can ruin some sportsmanship so nice job by them um you know, and and in the FCAC, uh, it's it, all by all counts, it could be a, a Trumbull Ward rematch. I'm sorry, a Trumbull St. Joseph rematch. Uh, and St. Joseph won that game on a on a home run the, the last time around a few weeks ago. You know, if that's the case, what do you expect out of that final? 
Um, probably more of the same. Obviously, there's no no way you could predict a blowout one way or the other, right? Um, you know, Trumbull had some chances to score the last time they played, but St. Joe's is just pitching so well right now. They're on the you know they're number one. They haven't lost in 30 games now. They're just on a roll. It seems like they probably would have a little bit of the edge, you know, heading into that one. And like you said, that's that's a likely final. And you know, a lot of these finals are going to be set later. Like you said, SEC, SWC, and the other FCAC. That's all today. And then some of these other tournaments don't even start till tomorrow. Like you said, with the you know ECC, the NVL quarterfinals are today. The shoreline, believe I believe, starts today or tomorrow also. So it's kind of funny how some of these are going to be done, and then the other conferences sort of get their moment later in the week, Friday, Saturday, however however you want to say it. Yeah. You know, I found fascinating. Uh, well, first of all, the, the the NBL got pushed up, so now they're going to go straight through. You have the shorelines; they're going to be coming up. Uh, so there's still teams that were finishing up regular season games. Yeah. Mean, meanwhile, the CCC is just sitting there going, <laughs> just laughing. <laughs> I mean, they're they're just like, well, we have no pressure whatsoever. We got to get our games in for this week. But the 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 pairings are going to be coming out pretty soon. And, you know, there are just a few games out there, like we mentioned, the, the CCC. But when we're, let's forget about the conference tournaments for, for the moment. Um, let's quickly try and take a look at what's what in the, uh, in the, in the uh, state tournaments. Uh, I mean, why don't, we, why don't we sit there at Class S when we start there first? You know, I, I'm looking at the top four seeds, and I find it fascinating. Holy Cross kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, they got hot at the end of the season for sure. They've won, I believe. They've they they started zero two, so that means they they've won seventeen of eighteen games. So that's a pretty you know pretty good resume to have there. Their only loss was to St. Paul. They beat Seymour last week, which these sort of end of regular season games sometimes fly under the radar when you know the the you know the playoffs are right around the corner. But they got a three two win over Seymour and. Yeah, you know, don't know a whole much about them, but they've put up some crazy run totals this year, and they might, you know, will the yeah, like you said, you don't want to look past the tournaments, but they're, you know, they have a chance to win both realistically. You'd think we're we were sitting here looking at just to quickly jump back to the NVL a little bit. So we were we've been talking about on this podcast St. Paul, Seymour, and Oxford, and they all finished two, three, and four. <laughs> right, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, Holy Cross, just like like I said, Holy Cross came out of nowhere. They're the top seed in the the NVL, and we haven't even talked about them all year. We were we were tooting the horn of St. Paul and Seymour. I found that I found that fascinating. So you know, the they uh, and they're traditionally a strong. You know, yeah, they're always good. They had won a, a couple of Class S championships in a row before last year, so mm-hmm. it's not like they you know came out of totally nowhere. Right. Well, yeah, not but but we hadn't been talking about them all season. No, absolutely. That's bad on us. Um, so they're obviously sitting there uh, with alongside St. Paul in Class S. I mean, uh, uh, Parish Hill looks like they might have one more game left. Let's take a quick look. Parish Hill does have one more game with left. They're playing an innovation. If they win that game, they're going to be the number one seed. If Probably if Coventry loses, Coventry's got one more game versus EO Smith. Yeah, that's uh, a tough one. Today. I mean, that's a good that's a good test right before states though for them. Coventry's obviously had a great season and coming off another, you know, they obviously want to win their league, the NCCC. They you know, they have a small tournament that's on the same day. The semifinals and final are on the same day, which is kinda of cool. But that's a great you know, tune up before that tournament, which I think is Thursday. Kind of a dicey uh, not, not to, you know, I don't know anything about Paris Show, but not not to they're they are in the CRAL conference and uh, it's one of those things where you're like they're not playing the type of competition you'd like to see for a top seed that could be really tough as they get in there I mean I'm looking at their schedule they've played 
Yeah, they have not. They played a lot of tech schools and and a lot of the teams in their uh, in in the in the CRAL, which that's kind of rough. That's going to be really tough for them to you know. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you'd want you'd want the four seed. You you know, if you're St. Paul, you'd rather not play Coventry or Holy Cross in the semifinals. You'd rather just you know stay in that four spot and you know hope to get a you know hope to get them in the in that round. Looking uh, just quickly, looking at the Reds down at uh, Class S, you have St. Paul is sitting at four right now. Final Tech uh, at five. Wamogo, which which got mercyed uh, yesterday by yeah. uh, by Northwest uh, by Northwestern, which is yeah. not in this tournament, which is in uh, the Class M tournament. But uh, that was kind of shocking. That was for like the league, you know, for, for first place in the Berkshire League. I was kind of stunned by that result. R- really interesting to hear from. Um, the who was it? Ed Dignall from the uh, Rep AM, who was talking about how Womoko threw a wild pitch just so I they could that. just so they could get out of there with him. I mean, at, at that point, you know, you know what? You're like, look, it's fifteen oh one. Let's just get out of here, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, he's like, and I, I find that that fascinating. And and my respect, he's like, I don't know if I really how I feel about this. And I said, you know what? At some point, you know, we'll all go tip your cap. It's fifteen to one. You know, what's the difference if we play one more inning or not? Um, you know, the, the chances are you're not coming back from fourteen run deficit. You might as well just get out of there. Anyway, but they're they're sitting there at uh, number six in Class S right now. You have uh, you have Coggenchog, which is uh, leading the way in the in the, in the shoreline. You know, um, I don't know what else do you think about this tournament? Hail Ray. Yeah, that- yeah, you just you touched on it there briefly. Yeah, Cognitog is obviously very dangerous. They're another team that um you know got a little bit off to a slowish start. You know, playing a pretty tough schedule in in the shoreline, like you said. And they had, they actually played North Haven and Guilford at a conference and couldn't you know couldn't get the win either time. But you know they finished you know with um you know with a win over North Brantford and they also you know handed Valley Regional their only loss. So obviously you know they're they're heading into the tournament on a high note. I would think that the two favorites in this division right now are obviously going to be Holy Cross and St. Paul. You know, if they can stay out of there, I mean, it depends on what happens. I guess up top, they can stay out of their side of the bracket. I mean, that could be a potential final unless Coggenchog, um, you know, maybe Hale Ray, which is traditionally tough, or maybe they decide to show up. Yeah, I think those two other favorites with Coggenchog right behind them, you know, in that third spot with Coventry right behind them. I don't think there's a ton between them, really. Right, so that's the Class S tournament. Let's uh, quickly go over to Class M. You have Valley Regional sitting there. They're eighteen to one. They are. Uh, they play Hallam Killingworth to wrap up the season, and they go into Shorelines, which that which is tomorrow. Northwestern, which which is obviously really strong. It's a, it looks like a really good tournament. You have Nordine Fairfield, which is playing in the SWC uh, semis uh, tonight. Um, and then you have Waterford, which has traditionally been pretty good. Lewis Mills, Ellington, Oxford, Seymour, Montville, Laurel. I mean, you don't have St. Joe's in there anymore. I think that's a good thing, to be honest. They should not be in Class M, and we already, you know, yeah. can go through this for a lot of different things. But it that them not there sets this up to be a great tournament, like you just sort of said. There's a, a lot of good teams with, you know, that have had great seasons. But have shown their, you know, human side and losses, if that makes sense, you know? That makes perfect sense. Um, I mean, I think the NBL has just been really strong. Uh, you know, between each other, they've, they've been kind of knocking each other around. I'm really – very. I mean, you don't have uh, St. Joseph, but you do have Notre Dame Fairfield, which in this bracket, looking at everything, I think they match up well with all these teams. 
Yeah, I they yeah they they probably they probably do match up well, and you know experience of playing the Mastics and Newtowns probably helped them. But you know they they lost to Griswold pretty handily, and I think mm. that will get other teams' confidence. I I do wonder if this is is this going to finally be the year that Northwestern you know goes farther than the second round? I mean, we sort of see this all the time with the Berkshire League teams that are not in Class S. You know they have a great regular season, and then you know in the second and third round they sort of get found out or whatever, but. Northwestern only lost to Lewis Mills, and you know they, like you said, with that run rule win over Wamogo, maybe they're back on track. I mean, they still have two regular season games left, which is you know, sort of you know, kind of a crazy schedule for them. But I just wonder if you know, like you said, if they get a good draw, you know, the seeds are still to be determined here because some teams have games left. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis Mills, you know, it, it, Notre Dame has a game left against Thomaston. I don't know if that gets, I assume that gets canceled if they somehow you know reach the final or. Or do they play between the semifinal and the final? That'd be an interesting sort of uh, yeah dy- dynamic. But I kind of want to keep an eye out on Northwestern, especially if they get like a Seymour or you know or Montville in the third round. When's the last day to count? Um, I think Thursday. Yeah, Thursday is the last day. Is that the last day they can? I, when when do the pairings come out? Friday? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know when the pairings come out, uh, but definitely Thursday is the last day. I think, but. Um, yeah, kind of crazy that they have that on the schedule. I don't know if they didn't think they'd make it this far, or were they just going to, you know, play the JV team against Thomason and see what happens? Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on there because, you know, that obviously is going to, you know, have a direct impact on the seedings here in this in this division. And I think I mean, look seed- how many 16 and 4 teams there are in this. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You got Ellington, Oxford, Seymour. Uh, Montville. I mean, you have you, know, you even have Lorton Hall down there, uh, which has been pretty good. I mean, they yeah they lost a lot right. in the SEC quarterfinals, but I wouldn't. They've had a really strong season at all. Huh? They they beat Hand the other day on a walk off hit by Maggie Britt. So Lorton Hall also a, a dangerous team uh, sitting in there. So you don't have um, St. Joseph, but you do have the likes of uh, Lorton Hall and uh, and you know Notre Dame Fairfield in with all those pretty strong. NVL uh, teams like Oxford and Seymour. Yeah, you know these other brackets. You look at you know some of the top pitchers, and you know you kind of see you know all those games you know elsewhere are going to be decided by the odd run or two or whoever gets the breaks. But I feel like with this bracket, it could just be whoever gets hot at the right time. A lot of good offenses, a lot of good evenly matched teams, and you know that could be you know a big key because this one might be the deepest in terms of who could actually win the tournament. You know. You don't. You might not even have to cut it off at the top ten teams. I mean, Griswold made the final last year, yeah. and Ledyard and Walcott have each had impressive wins during the season. So there's a lot of teams that if they get hot, they can make it all the way. Yeah, another one to look out for would be Law. I mean, you have Woodland in there, Ledyard. Uh, there's they're currently in 15 spot at 14 and six. There's just a lot of good teams in this tournament, like you just yeah. said. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough one. You have North Brantford. I know that they're 12 and eight. But uh, then there another one, Cromwell, Berlin. I mean, it's a pretty good tournament, I, I think. You know, we talk a lot about the depth of Class Double L. I mean, M's right there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna move on quickly to uh, Class L, which is the big one. Uh, you know, as far as the state rankings are concerned, Saint Joseph twenty zero or twenty one and and zero at this point, um, or whatever it is, 22-0. Uh, Massick, I, I can't even keep it straight, uh, Ryan. I just can't. Massick, uh, which begins the SDBC quarterfinals today. The, uh, 
or they began yesterday. They're 20 and, and one. They're playing in the semifinals. North Haven playing in the SEC semis. They're playing today. Uh, those are the top three. St. Joe, Massick, North Haven. I would be shocked to see anybody other than one of those teams win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was good to see. We talked about earlier in the season how you didn't know how this was going to shake out in terms of who got the top seeds based on schedule. But it really did work out that the three best teams are the one, two, and three, just like that, which really you know could set up an outstanding semifinal between North Haven and Massick. And you know because Massick doesn't play a lot of competitive games, I hate to say there's a question mark, but it would be nice to see them get tested by a North Haven before they potentially get a rematch with St. Joseph. And we forgot to mention earlier on in talking about the tournaments that Lauren Carr threw a perfect game yesterday hmm. um, and their win over Sacred Heart Academy. So I just wanted to get that in there as well. Yeah, um, for sure. After kind of a, a sketchy last couple of weeks of the season for for North Haven, I say sketchy. They only lost twice. Um, but, you know, that was after they had had like a, a Maria Hanchuk-esque uh, uh shutout streak going right uh, and then you're also looking at brookfield uh the, the, they're in there farmington windsor which remember they they knocked off some teams in the ccc barlow which is which is pretty good maloney bristol eastern it's not as balanced overall because the top three teams are so dominant i mean do you who else could you see maybe making a semi uh a semi-final in class l well, yeah, that four, I mean, Brookfield's got a great chance just because of the brackets. Um, you know, Farmington's a quality team as well that, you know, that I guess the non-Massic North Haven side because, you know, you got those two teams probably going to play each other. But Bristol Eastern, you know, they're, they'll probably make the quarterfinals. You know, they seem like they're on the St. Joseph side. So I think, I think when you look at Brookfield and Farmington, one of those teams, you know, I don't want to sound chalky, but Brookfield did make the final last year and, all of their non-Massic losses, you know, have been pretty, like, to non-Class L schools, first of all. And, you know, they they have a good offense, and they can they can hang in a lot of games. I think, you know, the tournament format's kind of kind to them. And it'll be interesting to see what Farmington has, because they got, they got trounced by North Haven, you know, midway through the season. But all their other games have been really competitive. So they could be, you know, whoever went, you know, that would be an interesting matchup for sure. Unless something crazy happens, some upsets happen with Massick and St. Joseph. It looks like the number one team is going to be coming out of, of class L. Maybe if North Haven beats those two on the way there, does North Haven make it? It's it's tough. I mean, it, it depends on what happens in, in, in double L. So let's just quickly take a look at that. South Windsor currently, as of May 21st, South Windsor is the is, is holding into the top seed there. They've got this incredible shutout streak going. Um, or whatever it is, they, the last time they gave up any runs was uh, May 1st. Um, and they, they have to finish up the season with Manchester and East Catholic. I get the feeling they're probably going to be able to do that and lock down the number one seed. And then you have Trumbull sitting there in the number two. West Haven, Cheshire, E.O. Smith, Southington, Stanford. Still some jumbling to go, but uh, you know, E.O. Smith has got a game left. NFA, uh, who we'll talk to in a little bit. Fairfield, Ludlow, Enfield, New Britain. It's not as Deep a tournament, maybe as, as M is, um, but still some pretty big heavyweights in there. What do you think of double L? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it probably come down to six or seven teams, which is about the same as last year. The quarterfinals last year in double L were just incredible. They were all amazing games, and we sort of saw that play out through the tournament. So I kind of expect to see the same this year, but what a season for South Windsor if they finish this off. 20-0, it's the first time in school history, their coach said, and just what a, what a run, like you said, the shutout streak for... 
them, like you said, up May 1st, but for Maria Hanchuk, it goes back to April 24th mm. against Winter. She didn't pitch the East Catholic game that they won 13-7, so it's almost 60 innings, over 60 innings, sorry, without a run. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. No, it's really good. Uh, you know, I, you know, they do, they have had, they've had a pretty good schedule. I mean, uh, they've they've played uh, Bristol Eastern, beat them one nothing. They've played EO Smith, beat them one nothing. They played Southern, beat them five nothing. Those are all impressive, as we've spoken about before. They beat N- uh, NFA one nothing. Um, you know, it may not. I mean, they, they've proven themselves to be you know a, a, a team to beat. But you know, I, I wouldn't count Trumbull out uh, by any stretch, or Cheshire, or right. any of those other teams. Uh, who do you who do you kind of see perhaps making a little run here in, in Double L? Um, like you said, the brackets still have to be determined, but at least for now, like you said, Trumbull they've made the finals the last two years. You know, in addition to making the FCI final almost every year, it seems like so. They obviously have the pedigree and the experience and the coaching to make another deep run. Their only loss was to St. Joe's, so they might be a better team than South Windsor. We have no idea because mm. you know, they're way far apart as far as the state goes. But I think, like you said, Cheshire's just always so good that you know that would be a great semifinal against South Windsor. So I, I would really look forward to seeing that one if that's what happens. It looks like it's, it's. I want to say it's sure, but it looks like it's pretty close to to, to, right. to being that to being their side of the bracket. Trumbull last year, of course, you know, uh, what was a, a favorite, and then they got upended Amity and by Amity in that that crazy run there um, last year. So obviously, like you said, with Trumbull, they're they're going to want to get try and get back to that point. Uh, West Haven, I'm still a little sketchy about it. There is, you know, they had a strong start to the season. Lost to Amity twice down the stretch, especially in the SEC quarterfinals. Um, so I'm a little. We had Joe Morrell on last week, and you know he's they're they're a good team, but again we we weren't quite sure how their schedule would, would translate to to the rest of the the bracket. I'm a little worried about West Haven. I don't know. Yeah, and they and they got a poor draw again in the you know the SEC. They had to play Amity in the first round, where you know Law you know had. You know, who did they play? Sacred Heart? No, Laurel. Yeah, Law had to play Laurelton Hall. Right. And like, so that, you know, that's a tough way to, you know, go out after a great season, but obviously have to play, you play. But, you know, they have a lot of experience. So, at least in terms of seniors. So maybe this is something that, you know, that'll pay dividends in the tournament. But yeah, at the top of Double L is a, is a gauntlet, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Smith and Southington, let's not forget about them. Um, so I, 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 and then Amity sitting down there, you know, they made a run to win the, win it all last year. So who the heck yeah. knows? <laughs> I don't know. Danbury, Newtown. I, I, I don't think double L is, is as strong as it, as it's been in the past. I mean, obviously you're looking at it. So I, I have a hard time saying, unless if South Windsor, let's say South Windsor goes all the way, wins the state title, they're eight, eight, they, they're undefeated to win it. And let's. I think we're going to have to look at a scenario where maybe St. Joseph loses. I mean, that you would they would have to be the number one team, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could make the argument that they should be the number one team now. Yeah. I mean, like, so it's yeah, it'll be tough. So because once people have in their mind that St. Joseph is the best team, you're right. You're going to have to maybe see them lose for people to change their mind. I mean, you know, just to be honest, like I voted South Windsor too you know, for the last two weeks just because they've had such an amazing run and they've beaten all these top teams. But unfortunately, you know, they are maybe not unfortunately, but, you know, the FCI teams or whatever kind of get, you know, the nod when it comes to stuff like that. 
Yeah, so it's also one who's going to be rooting hard for Trumbull. Maybe they're going to have to crush Trumbull in a final, maybe to kind right. of give it a little weight, you know? Um, yeah, that's true. It could. It kind of depends on how the tournament, you know, goes. And if, like, if St. Joe's beats Massick by more runs, do people, you know, respect that more or however you want to call it? But yeah, uh, obviously, it's going to be tough for South Windsor to maybe get that number one ranking. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because they still got to win the whole thing. And that's, that's no, and they and their their road could be very tough. You know, with you know they only beat NFA by one, you know, by one run, and they've had issues scoring runs this year. They've had a lot of close wins, but. Speaking of their coach, Manny, she wasn't too concerned about it because she felt that they were hitting the ball harder this year than last year. So maybe it's just one of those things where it's not translating to runs just yet. But they're going to have to win you know, a game by scoring more than two runs, you would think, at some point in this tournament. So, uh, so that's kind of a quick rundown of the uh, of the tournaments. And uh, speaking of Class O, let's get to our guest uh, this week, which would be Norwich Free Academy's Brian Burdick. Joining us on the show is the 11th year head coach of the NFA Wildcats. The ECC start, I believe, tomorrow, Wednesday. It's the it's the Division One and the Division Two tournament. They're doing that, and uh, we're happy to have Brian Burdick, the head coach of NFA, on right now. Coach, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. So you guys had a nice little start this season, and then he got upended by East Haven. There, how, how have you guys uh, been playing since then? Uh, you know. We, we've been playing better as of late. I think that middle stretch of the season, it, it, it was a rough go for a lot of teams, I think, just because of the weather, because of, you know, the unsettled nature of games getting played, playing a lot of back-to-back-to-backs when you could get them in, and not always in great conditions. Um, and we went down, we had just played a, a really challenging game at Griswold the night before, you know, mm-hmm. won it, basically won it in the seventh with, you know, a three-run triple by my shortstop, Sarah Cody, and then, you know, I had to get on a bus the next day and go down to East Haven, and, it, you know, sometimes the team that gets off the bus isn't the one that got on the bus. <laughs> so, and then, and, um, you know, we, we struggle a little bit, you know, through that patch, because, you know, we go from East Haven, and we had Southington the day after oh that. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so, it, the, the schedule was not exactly in our favor, but it was something I think we needed as a team to, because up to that point, I think we were 8-0 through Griswold, and then we dropped three of our next four. Right. You know, because we, we played East Haven, Southington, then we had Killingly that we got a win, you know, and then we played South Windsor right after that. And then you lost one enough to Maria Hanchuk, <laughs> which is par for the course she, for everybody. No, yeah, I, I don't feel so bad. I mean, she has that streak of, what, like 64 consecutive scoreless innings at this point? Yeah, I mean, like she's just been lights out, phenomenal all year. But you guys have come back. I mean, you lose to South Windsor. Uh, you, you lost one more game. You, you, you actually went all the way down to Stanford. You guys seem like you guys play them every so often. But you, you, you lose to them 6-3. Um, but in the ECC, you guys have pretty much have had your way. I mean, other than – I mean, you guys haven't lost yet. So, uh, you know, you, you got a strong out-of-conference. Um, and in the mm-hmm. league, you've been pretty well. So as you head into the postseason, now you're coming off a nice win. Speaking of non-conference wins, nice win over Norwalk, 10-4 you know, at, your, at your place. You go into the ECCs, um, which is now when – when did they split it? They split it last year, or starting this year. They, they okay, turned yeah. what was a three-division conference into a four-division conference. And since they don't have – Every team within the conference play each other based on what division they're in. They then split the conference tournament into two separate tournaments: yeah. the Division One and Two teams 
playing in the Division One tournament and the Division Three and Four teams playing in the Division Two tournament. They're doing it for parity. They're doing it for some scheduling relief and for teams to either schedule crossovers on their own or, as we t- tend to do, go seek out-of-conference yeah. games. That's the whole thing with the ECC. I mean, NFA is such a big school, and you have a couple other big schools in the league, but it's mostly a small school, town school, and I guess I can get that. I don't know how you feel about the whole thing. I mean, it's a league, and there's two different ways to really look at it. But, I mean, I guess you could understand some of those teams going like, look, I mean, <laughs> other than maybe Griswold, because they're always strong, but a lot of the other ones going like, eh, I think we'll skip NFA. <laughs> What right. do you I mean, think? there was there was a there was a year we were actually where we were scheduled to play Wheeler. Wheeler has a, a student population of two hundred and forty or two hundred and sixty students in the entire high school. Yeah, it's small. That's less than half of our freshman class. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I, I I can see why certain schools wouldn't want to, you know, play those those sorts of games. It's just. They're, unless they are a, a powerhouse program, you know, within the town, they're they're not gonna sometimes be able to compete. Right. Um, so I think the the league tried to do what it felt was in the best interest of all the all of the member schools by splitting it into four divisions and splitting it into two separate tournaments to allow teams that opportunity to to win and to play similar competition day in and day out. Right. And and what do you think? You know, I, I think it's working for some schools. Right. I, I think that it's it's helped make some schools, you know, a bit more competitive. I think it's helped them, you know, grow their programs. You know, they where you know you had a school like New London this year, they hadn't qualified for the state tournament since 2010, and they've got a pretty good program going. They got a really good season going. Uh, their coach Missy Parker's doing great things with the girls over there, and you know, they're in the state tournament. They're, you know. Beating teams that have usually beaten them before, mm. you know, they're competitive. So it, this realignment helped a team like that, where right. if they were still playing, you know, us in Waterford on a day-to-day basis, they might not have that opportunity. Now, I don't know how it's going to bear for them when they get into the Class L tournament, right. but at the, at the same time, they're playing a much more competitive level of softball. Right, and you guys By get comparison. and you guys meanwhile get all the biggies, and they give you uh, because of the schedule. Correct me if I'm wrong. They give, like you said before, it gives you the leeway to go out and schedule Southington in East Haven, a South Windsor, and Sanford. Correct. Well, yeah, well, yes, and the way that the ECC does it, there are only four teams in the division we're in. Every other division has five. Right. Which also means that we also only get scheduled 13 games by our league assigner. Mm-hmm. Or our league, or our commissioner. So that means we have to go out and find seven. Everyone else, I, get, I believe, gets either fourteen or fifteen games. Mm-hmm. So that, so they don't have to find as many. But again, it does give me that leeway. I can go out. I can play a West Hill. I can play a Southington, an East Haven, a South Windsor, a Norwalk. Um, you know, there have been years where I've gone and played Hand or Windsor or you know, you name it. I'll I'll travel anywhere. Right, and. I, I think it just—I think it makes us better. I think it allows us to understand what it feels like to get on the bus because if we're playing in the Double L tournament and we have to play a road game, we're not going two towns over. We're going at least halfway across the state, and th- there is, you know, kind of a mental preparedness that you need for those types of trips. And you know, the more of those trips we can take over the course of the year, it becomes kind of our normal. Right, and when you go into the 
Go ahead. No, and when you go into the double L tournament, it's not nothing. It's like not, it's like a, not like you haven't seen any of that stuff before. So that's good. Exactly, and uh, I, you know, you look at three of the teams we played this year were out of the FCAC, and you look at a team like Norwalk. They're ten and ten, but their hitters they hit the ball well. And I looked at my players. I'm like, it's because they play in a conference where they see good hitting day in and day out. They see good pitching day in and day out. So when they come up and they play a team like us, they're not going to back down. They're not going to be afraid because they've seen teams like us. So it, it forces us to play at a higher level all the time. Right. We, we don't always get that within our conference with some of the teams. But when we get those out-of-conference teams, especially against teams in those traditionally powerful softball conferences, the FCAC, you know, sections of the CCC, the SCC, that allows us to see, you know, that, that high level of softball on a regular basis. Right. And speaking of, of, of which, I mean, your, your conference, especially the big – I mean, the ECC has been – they've had some strong, strong teams in softball for years. Yeah. Fitch, you know, Waterford, Griswold um, – you got you guys last year. I mean, you talk about that. Griswold beat you six five in a, in a classic. If I remember, I mean, I don't want to bring it up. It was an absolute. I was following on Twitter from my house, and I'm like, this game is nuts. Um, it, the ECC is such it a was. yeah. Well, we can get. It's just a strong conference, and so yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, and and how anxious the girls are. Maybe the girls who are returning to come back and maybe get that title they thought they they lost last year. You know, I think our our focus has always been we're, we're focusing ahead on the next game. We're focusing on what's in front of us, not what's behind us. You can't win back what you have already played. Right. You, you, you can learn from it, but the, the minute you spend too much time looking behind you, you, you lose sight of what's in front of you. So I think what we've tried to do this year is we've just tried to focus on, all right, next pitch, next play. Let's keep moving forward and focusing on what's in front of us because you can't get back what you've already done. You can only adjust and move forward. Right. So I, I think this this team, they want to get there. They want this title. They're hungry for the title. And I know, you know, Griswold or Waterford or any team that we're going to face is going to try to have some say about that. Yeah. I know we have, you know, there are two games that are going to be played today to start the tournament, the 4-5 game against um, Stonington and East Lyme, and then the 3-6 game against, uh, Griswold against um, Fitch, and that'll determine you know that'll determine who Waterford plays tomorrow in the, in their semifinal and who we play in our semifinal. Okay. Um, and you know the teams that are in this tournament, any one of them on any given day could knock off anybody else, and that's what I like about this tournament because it brings out the best in the teams that are there. And when you have you know a team like Waterford that I think is going to be an absolute powerhouse for the next couple of years. Um, you know, I think seeing them in this type of a setting, you're going to see, I think, some of the best of that, what that team has to offer right now and a glimpse of what they're going to be capable of, even if it's on a small scale in the years to come. And let's not discount what Griswold can do. I mean, they they are as fundamentally sound of a team as you're going to get. Coach Aramone does a tremendous oh, yeah. job preparing his players, you know, year in and year out, and they're going to be ready for whatever, you know, any team throws at them. They're, they will have game-planned every team in that tournament down to minutia, and I think that's what's going to really make this a fun tournament. And even in the Division Two tournament, you have a team like Montville that has a tremendous pitcher in Alexis Minchon. You know, 
but at the same time, you have a team in Ledger that is right now pretty much packed with freshmen and sophomores, and they're playing great softball. So I think as a whole, I think this is really going to be a a, a fun tournament to watch Mm. um, and see how it plays out. I, I think the teams that, you know, get through get into and through the semifinals, I think all those teams are are going to be well prepared for the state tournaments coming up next week. Yeah, I should just mention uh, NFA is the number one seed in, because they haven't lost in the ECC. They're the number one seed. Waterford's the number two seed in Division One. Looking down at the Division Two bracket, you got uh, Montville at number one, and then Tortolot is the number two there in Division Two. Um, that's going to be at East Lima on Wednesday, depending on everything. If everything I don't know what the weather's going to be like. But, and So far, uh, the weather looks good, so let's keep our fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed. Your, your semifinals will be at Griswold on, men, on Wednesday Beginning at four, you're gonna you have the four o'clock game if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, the... we have the four and Gris and uh, should Griswold win, they'd be playing Waterford at seven o'clock. Yeah, seven o'clock. Um, and then you have uh, the championship will be at Griswold. You can actually catch a both uh, division two is at four p.m. and then division one at, at seven p.m. Um, you know, just, just, let's take a step back and let's take a look at your team. I mean, obviously, last year you had a great player in, in Shea Gendron, a catcher. But you you brought a lot of teams, you brought a lot of kids back from last year's team. You guys lost to Cheshire in the state tournament, um, and, and and all their games were pretty close. But so, what did you think coming into the season? And, and tell me a little bit about your your girls. I, I you know coming into the season, we knew we had six seniors who were starters returning. You know, and that we knew would be really provide us with this core depth of senior of leadership of players who have been there of very talented players especially because of those six four of them have been at varsity since they were freshmen mm-hmm. and three of them have been full-time starters since mm-hmm. they were freshmen um you know you, you have Haley Schrader who started as an outfielder has been a leadoff hitter for four years you know has amassed 160 hits in her career and then shifted to the infield is a three-time All-Stater. Like there are high, there's a high level of expectation for a player like that. And this year, she's she's answered that, and she's helped you know, you know, push the other players around her to elevate their game. You know, mm. all of those seniors on this team, they're 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 just exceptionally talented, hardworking players. You know, and you you look at our pitcher Bailey Camo, and she goes out there day in and day out and. No matter what the situation is, she's going to give us an opportunity to win games. You know, she throws the ball well. She moves it around. She's, you know, she's a kid I have, um, I have an implicit trust in to do the right thing in game. You know, and she is as smart and savvy and talented of a pitcher as I've had. I mean, and I had Beth Fleming a couple of years ago, yeah. and I, I would I would say that Bailey is a you know, a, a close number two in in the level of, you know, executing and, you know, making the good decisions in game. And, you know, I look at my third baseman, she's just played just tremendous defense. Julie Vincent, tremendous defensively, um, you know, just hyper-focused once she gets on the field. And my shortstop, Sarah Cody, who, you know, leads our team in home runs for the season and is the career home run leader. Wow. And then we have Brooke Gottschall, our first baseman, who, you know, at five ten, five eleven, plays like she's six foot six. <laughs> she's taking balls that, on most throws, on many times, or their throws that are you're looking at going, 
it's going to be an error. And she somehow has made a pick and turned it into an out. You know, she really kind of solidifies that infield defense. And then we have our, you know, outfielder, center fielder, right fielder, Alex Burdick, no relation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she's just a defensive stalwart out there. You know, plays hard, goes hard after everything, gets the balls that you think are getting down and just makes tremendous catches out there. And offensively, they're all, I mean, they're all hitting well over 300. Yeah. Haley's hitting, Haley's hitting 591. Sarah's up around 480. I mean, they're all just hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah. You know, and they're get they're getting on, they're getting around, they're putting pressure on defenses. So, you know, these are the, the things I expected of them. These were the things that we talked about, you know, in the preseason. And, you know, if we were going to be successful, we'd have to do these things. Now, I knew that we were probably that we were probably going to lose a game or two. That those things happened, but it was who who we were and how we responded that was going to dictate whether or not we were going to let those losses consume us or help us get better. And hopefully, you know, those losses that we've had are going to kind of push us forward and give us something that we can learn from and improve, especially as we get into the state tournament. Because I did have a set of high expectations for this team, but they have a set of high expectations for themselves as well. Right. Um, any, uh, any, for the few seniors you have, I mean, where, where, any, any playing next year going on to, to play in college? All six of my seniors are playing next year in college. Very nice. What do um, you got? Four of them will be. I, well, Bailey Camo is going to Drew University in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Alex Burke's going to be playing at Roger Williams, and then my infielders are all playing in the LEC against each other. <laughs> um, Julie's going to Rhode Island College. Sarah's going to Keene State. Haley's going to Castleton University, and Brooke will be playing at. Eastern Connecticut State University. So they got to spend four years playing with each other. Now they'll get to spend another four playing against each other. <laughs> that's great. But that's pretty impressive, you know, having a, your entire senior class basically all set. They're going to go play play softball. And that, that must be really nice, you know, for you as a coach. And over the years, you look back at all some of the players that you've had and, you know, they all go into colleges. You know, who are some of the, 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 the coach, you know, players you had that you can remember off the top of your head that, you know, went on to do big things in college? I mean, there was Jen Barlow. It was my first year, 2009, we had Jen Barlow and um, Caroline Blanchard. Jen went off to play to play at Bowdoin, and she, I mean, over four years, this grew tremendously. Had a great senior season. Um, Caroline Blanchard was a starting third baseman at Trinity up in Hartford. Um, we had uh, Emily Devito a couple years ago go off to you know play it. LIU Post, um, Beth Fleming now at Ithaca, and, you know, pitching tremendously there. Um, just, you know, I, I look at some of those players, and they're all very talented. I, I don't think we've ever had a single class where you've had this many players going on to play at the next level. I, we've just been blessed with talent. You know, some coaches are lucky if they get, you know, six in, you know, six years going. I'm getting six in one. And, I, you know, I, I'm not taking it for granted. I mean, this is a dedic- this is their dedication, their hard work paying off. What is uh, – you got ECCs, you're looking at that. Um, you know, 
But that's not the, I mean, if you win an ACC championship, that's great. That's tremendous. That's something you hang on your banner. But the, the goal, obviously, is to, to, to win a state championship. Uh, and, and that's so tough in Class Double I mean, you just the amount of powerhouses in there. I mean, I know everyone looks at Class L, and you have the top number one and two teams there. But, but as Ryan Lacey had said, L is just so stacked with any of those teams, can be any of those teams, whenever. And how, how, what's it get, what does it take to win? Now, you guys, have, you've been to the final, uh, well, how many years now? Uh, so you've been there like one or two years, right, When you since you've been there? We've been to the final one time. We've been to 75, in my entire time coaching in the program, we've been to one final, 2007. Okay. Including 2007, um, we've been to two semifinals. And I, you know, in my time as head coach, I think we've been to five quarters. And really what it takes, in, in in a class L or a class double L, I mean, you really have to play, you know, whether or not, depending on whether or not you get a buy, four or five close to flawless games. Yeah. You have to, you know, if someone goes cold, everyone else has to, you know, kind of heat up. Like, there are, there's a razor thin margin of error. And if you make that mistake, it, it's probably going to cost you the game and, and it'll, leave you exiting the tournament sooner than you had hoped. Yeah. And uh, I, I know that's kind of what happened with us at Cheshire last year, um, even two years ago in the semis against Cheshire. That seems to be a recurring theme for us. We see Cheshire and then we exit. Um, hopefully that's not the case this year if we see them. <laughs> but, you know, to, to get there, it, it takes a little bit of luck, some things going your way, but definitely it's going to take solid play, timely hitting, and, you know, a great de- defensive effort and really a true total team effort. Yeah, I mean, uh, just looking at the seedings right now, right now you guys are sitting there at number eight. Um, I mean, yep. where I mean, you looked at it, I mean, I know Southwind has got two games left. Trumbull's already done. West Haven's already done. West Cheshire, yes, those are pretty much all set. EO Smith has got a game against... Um, uh, Coventry today. I would I would expect right. them to win that one. I mean, there's still some some shuffling around. Where where do you think? Just I'm sure you guys have looked at it just briefly, but where do you guys think you're going to land in in this uh, bracket? I'm I, I I've, if I've done my math correctly, we are the eight. You're going to be the eight, okay? We'll be the eight, and then it's going to come down to what Hall does because if if you look at the lot, yep. Um, if Hall wins out, they would become the nine. Okay, and then because Hall's... their lot number is high. It's higher than uh, Fairfield Ludlow. Okay, if and, they lose one, then Fairfield Ludlow's to nine. Okay, and Hall's got three games left: Northwest Catholic, New England, right. and Connard. Back to back to back to back. So right. you don't know quite sure what that's going to. Okay, I don't know how that's going to shake out. And then, you, then you got to look at um, who's the team there. Um, you know, Ward, the, the top four or five should be set. So it, it'll be an interesting tournament. Absolutely, of We appreciate you having you on, and uh, good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, bye-bye. So uh, we appreciate uh, Coach Berner for coming on and giving us a little uh, little insight into NFA. And I, 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 like I've said before, I, I'm not crazy about the, the ECC um, splitting up its tournaments, but at the same time, I don't mind. I, I, I see exactly, and he even alluded to it, you have a team like Wheeler, which has got less less girls on, in its school than NFA has in its its freshman class. 
uh, like you know that's that's where you you know you don't need that kind of stuff so I, you can see why they do play a, a tournament like that but i do like the old school you know everyone plays in a conference and then you know you, you find out who the best is but that's a tough one yeah that's a, yeah that is tough i mean there are arguments for both for sure and splitting it into two is not a you know that's not terrible considering how many teams are in that league but they are split into four during the regular season, which seems a little like overkill. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone's got to have some sort of, uh, I guess, goal to get to to win a division title or, or something like that. But, um, but he, he he mentioned that you know a team like New London hasn't been in the tournament in a while or hasn't had as much success, and now they are. And and, and I guess for the the argument, I guess the the growth of the sport and. Giving kids a, a positive experience, you know, you know, again, it just doesn't make sense. You play in NFA if if you've only got like two hundred kids in, in your entire school, it just doesn't, you know. NFA's got like fourteen hundred. It's crazy. So, um, but the the, uh, the ECC final, the, the the Division One tournament is obviously where it's at. I mean, you have Montfield down in Division Two, but uh, that was a crazy, crazy game between Griswold. Griswold's been able to compete with NFA. Um, over the years, and Griswold's, you know, got the state final. They're they're a pretty strong program. So, I would love to see those two teams match up again. Again, last year it was just back and forth, back and forth, and then I think Griswold won in, in, on just an, uh, just a crazy play. Really great tournament last year. Yeah, and I'm sure NFA's out for redemption. They had a similar exit in states against Cheshire, so I assume lifting a trophy either now or at the end of the season would be very, very satisfying. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens with them in Class L. Like we said, you know, if South Windsor, you have the Cheshires of the world. They've they've lost to Cheshire over the years. That's going to be really tough. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we got a lot going on today. I got to get out to a game right now, and Ryan's got to get out to a game right now. So, we're going to wrap this up. This is going to be brought – we're going to be publishing this after the fact. So, you know, you'll know all the results from the finals, some of the semifinals today, and then when away we go, we'll, we'll, we'll jump back in next week and – and take a look at the actual brackets instead of sitting here figuring out, you know, conjecture and stuff like that. So, anyway. So, Ryan, thanks for uh, joining us this week. And uh, be good up there. Say hi to all the people at Massic and and uh, and so on. And uh, and I'll do the same down at West Haven. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. So, we'll call that a podcast for the for the week. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. I, I'm Sean Patrick Bowley for Ryan Lacey. This has been Inside the Firm. Thank you very much. Thank you.